Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. PHLY Eagles podcast on a Thursday morning, 9.30. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman here to talk about Eagles, Seahawks, as we are, I guess, four days away now from a Monday night game against uh, the Seahawks in Seattle. We've got one more show tomorrow with Deniz, but we're going to talk about the coordinators, what they said yesterday. We will have our draft, our weekly draft of the rosters, and just generally uh, talk about the matchup. Zach, how are you? Doing great. I was walking out the house this morning. Emily said, you must love the time of this show. I said, I, this is great for me. Yeah, it gives me ample time to head over to the Eagles facility after this. Uh, Nick Sirianni will speak at 1230. We'll, so, so we'll get his thoughts on this upcoming game. Jalen Hurts speaks today. Uh, so it's, it's the beginning of a game week, as late in the week as it might be. And what did you hear from the coordinators yesterday? Quite a bit. No answers. More, you know, I, I asked Brian Johnson at, at one point, and I'm, I'm curious what Nick Sirianni thinks about this today, is, is like, how do you balance this idea of, of doubling down on what you believe in compared to, like, we need to change this? And he actually referenced the uh, 2021 season, when Nick Sirianni emphasized doubling down on what they thought worked. Now, the irony to that is they did change. Right. They, right? Yeah. they, like they changed, completely changed, they changed their, their entire offense. offense. Yeah. So their public narrative was a little different than their like, uh, behind-the-scenes actions. Although Nick Sirianni stuck to like court beliefs, you know, he didn't change that part. Yeah, of I it. think when he says doubling down on the things that you believe in, it's more about those like intangible things, exactly. those culture things, exactly. right? Exactly. He, he's he's I, I would imagine open to changing things yeah like game plan wise yeah and uh you know sean desai said what we all know that third downs have been a problem and it's 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 not good enough an explanation for that yeah so i i asked about the the uh the disparity in sacks on first and second down compared to third down and sean said there's a handful of things you you look at the uh, how quickly they're getting rid of the ball Rush and cover kind of goes together there. Uh, 
but he he said that's a which good the question. numbers do not bear that out. It's, it is not like defense or opposing offenses are getting rid of the ball much quicker against mm-hmm. the Eagles than they are against other teams. And there are a lot of there are a lot of like the the um, excuse narratives that are yes. coming from the building that are just not factually correct. No, it's it's like it's oh, well, you st- got to get in third and long. Well, guess what? Yeah. You stink in third and long. Yeah, yeah, good point. And I I. Think back to something that, that Shiel Kapati often said, which was like when players and coaches say, well, the other team gets paid too. Well, you also get paid. Like you get paid to stop it, right? So I, I hear you there. Uh, I thought that th- there was accountability, but it wasn't – there weren't like concrete answers. Now, obviously, they're not going to get up there and say, we're going to change X, Y, and Z. But I do think the, the prevailing sentiment is – they're in a rut, but they're not in this like bad place that they can figure this out. Now, this third down defense is historically bad, and it's something that really needs to be addressed. Uh, that I think they have the talent, particularly on, on the defensive front, and that's that's why it's so uh, perplexing. I think it's perplexing to uh, Sean Desai as well. But I I really didn't get the. Um, the answers yesterday that left that that had me leaving that facility saying like they they're on this right it's it's a lot of just keep the faith yeah i don't i don't get the sense especially from nick that like they recognize with uh like clear eyes how much they are struggling right now um and I mean, he knows they got blown blown out in, in yeah. two games, but he, it's like, oh, we're ten and three. Like we've won ten football games. Like we, we we've got this magic elixir to win close games. Like we've got all these good players. Like I don't. I mean, I, this is not to say that he's not like, you know, burning the midnight oil to to try to fix what is <laughs> yeah. wrong with the the offense. But uh, there like there's a little bit too much defensiveness and not enough like yeah like we have some real structural issues right now that that need to be addressed. <laughs> Yeah, here's an example. There's only so much he can do, but... So, so, so here's an example. Fourth and two against the Cowboys. Uh, Jeff McLean from the Inquirer was asking this. The Eagles had two high safeties on the play. Uh, why would they have two, two high safeties on fourth and two? Well, Sean Desai said that the Cowboys did a good job of breaking tendency. They had been 100% pass in that situation. I, I should have looked up what the sample size was. I, I don't have that in front of me. But he said they thought they had a good call based on, on, on what they expected. They were in a six-up look, and they thought they had the gaps protected in case there was a handoff. Clearly, that, that did not happen. But he said it was a good play call by the Cowboys versus a good play call by the Eagles. Uh, and like Jeff's yeah, point, that play doesn't bother me too much. But like Jeff's, um, Jeff's point was on fourth and two. Why would you have the safeties playing so deep? And the answer to that is is like this is these are the tendencies we saw. Conversely, on offense, I now I've actually defended this, so I I don't want to seem I don't want to seem hypocritical. But with the amount of balls that that, that went to the top three guys, the amount of targets that went to the top three guys, Brian Johnson said the ball mostly went where it was supposed to go throughout the game and it's it would stand to reason that you're calling plays where these top three guys are topping the progression as well sorry i don't have my sound off there uh so is is the solution to that calling more plays for julio jones and alameda zacchaeus i don't i don't want to say that but uh 
I do wonder if there was the, if the ball was forced in on certain plays in the progressions or or not. That's uh, but Brian Johnson. Yeah, I would stick with what I said yesterday. It's the it's the lack of the running yeah. back that that is bothering me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and and then by the way, I I don't want to dismiss Michael Clay from this. And a I good think sh- that I think that Michael Clay is a good um, gut check for like the Brian Johnson criticism. Hmm. Now. The stakes are a little bit different. Sure. Like Brian Johnson was taking over a team that just went to the Super Bowl and has expectations to go again. And so there, there is a bit of a uh, need for immediacy. But, you know, two years ago, last year, there are people like calling for Michael Clay's job when he was hired as a 29-year-old, like the, the idea that he would grow into this role. And he still does not have a ton of... Um, like resource investment into that group. It is still a very young group and they have been outstanding. Mm, Yes, you're right. And a bulk of the discussion was about that fake punt, which was well-timed, well-executed. He gave credit to Brayden Mann and and Ozzy on on that play. Now, Mann did that against the Jets. Uh, I'm sorry, with the Jets against the Browns last year. Actually, had two fake punts. So they knew the type of athlete he was when when, uh, they brought him in. Um, And they had that play in, and they were kind of waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, he gave a lot of credit to to Zacchaeus. There was actually a good question about like Oz being there when he's not typically there, and if if that was a tell. And and Michael Clay had a, had a, had a good answer. They they put Oz in there in different times this year. The Rams game, for instance. Uh, so it wasn't completely ab- abnormal. So it's it's not a tell there. That kind of goes to the depth of how they think about it, and. Yeah, it was it was it was well executed. Now we spent a lot of time last week talking about Christian Ellis, who took the most snaps on uh, special teams going into that game. Uh, Michael Clay mentioned Ben Van Sumeren as as a guy who like kind of steps into that Ellis role. Now the uh, the snaps for Van Sumeren weren't different than they were the week before. He was already a core guy. So if if you look at the playing time distribution, the player who's playing time on special teams really took a jump was Jack Stoll. Now, there are two factors there. Number one, Christian Ellis being waived, and number two, uh, Dallas Goddard returning. Um, And so I asked him which part of that led to Stoll taking more snaps, and he said they went to Stoll at the end of the week, and they said, like, the situation's different here. You're going to have to play more, and and he was receptive to it, and you saw that. So the Stoll body type, the Stoll-Calcaterra group, they're playing more special team snaps. And then uh, what are you hoping to learn from Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts today? Well, Jalen Hurts, I'm curious to hear what he has to say about ball security uh, because it was not lost on me. And I do want to paint the picture here. Sometimes I, I take for granted that we talk about this all the time, but you, our audience, you're not there in the Eagles auditorium. So you don't see kind of what, what Bo and I have seen, which is literally Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts speak under – this huge banner in the facility, in the auditorium. Joe? No, not Joe. Oh. Uh, a huge sign about ball security. And it literally is Jalen Hurts grasping the ball and, exp- and showing the technique that he's doing on that play. Now, you, so I do believe when Nick Sirianni says and Brian Johnson says, 
that they emphasize this. Like they do, they don't need to emphasize this more. And they have these drills during the week that Jamal Singleton does. Like I've we've seen it, and, and we see them during training camp pounding the ball loose. Now, Nick Sirianni said that maybe they have to work on falling to the ground with Hurts because that's like an unnatural thing. Uh, but this isn't a lack of emphasis. He so starts, it's like he's walking around the Novacare complex <laughs> and people start just pushing him over. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful there, right? But um, but that's that's kind of the – so I, I, I did ask that. How do you fix something? That you already emphasize so much. When he leaves the podium today, you should try to push him over and see what happens. Sure, he would love that. I would love to to see his reaction to that. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles would would uh, like call. I had the SWAT team come over. (laughs) You know, know, Dom would forcibly (laughs) remove me from the building. Um, (laughs) But that that uh, is so. They said there's there there's there's always things you can do, but 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 you keep kind of doubling down and emphasizing what what you know to be true. Jalen Hurts is is a he he fumbles a lot. He fumbled in the Super Bowl last year. Sure did. Right. I mean, so this is not this is not something to dismiss. Like seven consecutive games, and I I was watching back on the show yesterday when we were speaking about Sirianni's comments, and I I th- I thought you framed it well. Like this idea that quarterbacks fumbles can be overstated because they're credited for the exchange. Like that's that's only a small part of. Yeah, it's a bit of a red herring yeah, from ex- Sirianni. Ex- exactly. So, so what else am I interested in, in hearing from, from Nick today? Well, certainly I am curious about Reed Blankenship's progression in the concussion protocol, which Nick tends to uh, not discuss the concussion protocol yeah, stuff at all. Anything about that. But uh, we'll see the practice report today. If, if Blankenship's limited, for instance, it means that he's progressing. If he's out, it means he could still be progressing, but he still hasn't pass through early stages of of the protocol and then um you know i have a a few questions about like big picture things and then you know some matchup specific stuff uh later in the week i am curious what consideration they paid to staying out west in between these two games now obviously the i don't want to say the points moot but it's 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 less significant with the change in schedule to the monday night game there's more days in between but this is you know they they got back late on tuesday morning and or i'm I'm sorry monday morning and now they turn around and have their longest trip of the year to seattle uh so there is a lot on on these guys bodies but uh no is is there is there anything that uh, you think i should i should make sure to push sirianni on uh, not nothing that comes okay. to mind. Okay. Also, knowing what kind of answers he's going to give was uh, my other my only, other question was for Desai was was he asked about why the blitzing is so bad? Uh, n- not specifically. No, that 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 would have been a good question there. He was not asked specifically about the ineffective uh, blitzing. He did say that uh, so they they blitz right into some runs and and, and miss tackles or they or they miss fit there. But he he did not say it was bad because of that. Okay, I think the tackling is probably a good uh, indication of like if, if we're trying to to find things that show that they are actually tired. The pass rush is one of them, the declining yeah. effectiveness of the pass rush. But I also think the decline in their like or the the raise or the rise of their missed tackles uh, recently is a good yeah. indication of, of tired legs, maybe. That's a good point, and, and you know, tackling tends to show that. From a, a general perspective, I I understand maybe this is like the way they're they're coached to give public responses, but 
if a player has something like remotely critical to say after a game, their response tends to be like, well, you know, they were real emotional after a loss. Sure. Maybe they weren't emotional after a loss. Maybe, like, they're just calling it like they see it, you know? And I think that, that sometimes uh, it, it pays not to be dismissive, and it pays to— uh, I know I did hear Nick Sirianni, I, I, he had a real good answer yesterday in his interview with WIP where— he basically said, like, he listens to all criticism. It doesn't mean he takes all, all, all criticism, but if he criticizes players or, or if he's critical of players and says, you guys need to do more of this, if people on the outside are, are, are saying you need to do more of that, then he'll listen. So he was, that was a reference to Derek Gunn's report about the creativity of the offense, which I thought was a better answer than what he gave us. Uh, two days ago, uh, but it is something that I'm all you know. Especially when players are saying something, don't be dismissive that they're emotional. Be reactive that they might be seeing something with their eyes that they, 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 that you were kind of blinded from. There you go. All right, before we get going uh, with the rest of the show, Zach, let's talk a little bit about Rocket Money. Hmm. I myself am a Rocket Money customer. Uh, it has helped me get rid of some duplicate uh, monthly charges. You know, my wife and I, I think we both had like, a, you know, we both had the Disney Plus account. And you can't be doing that. You yeah. can't be paying double for that. No. What are we doing? Especially they just raised their price. Yeah, I know. You're not, you're not kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, they've also got, I'm not going to get rid of the Disney Plus. The kids, no. you know, yeah. we, we're not, not going to do that. But no reason to give them extra money. You know, I don't think, uh, I don't think Mickey necessarily needs more of my money. But I don't think I, the money's going to Mickey. But I disagree. <laughs> Uh, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. You get these alerts as well for uh, like, oh, this is a, an unexpected purchase here. Now, you know, holiday season, there are probably a little bit more of those than uh, usual, but that's okay. They will even get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash phly that's rocketmoney.com slash phly rocketmoney.com slash phly and i am and let me pull this up here as i sorry i thought you were prepping that whole time for wheelhouse i thought you <laughs> no, were, I was I thought we were on the same page we were you know we've been doing this for a while yeah, i thought no, you were ready I was, to pick I, it up i was thinking actually about some of the things that rocket money can help me with there oh um, okay yeah because i am a sucker for uh, signing up to you know what else i had i had um i, I realized <laughs> that i had two uh subscriptions to uh, white pages uh, okay. For myself, one yeah. from my personal email or, mm -hmm. and one from my old work yes. email. I had to cancel one of those. Yeah. I, I I had a uh, a newspapers dot com mm. charge that just went through the credit card this week, and I was like, oh, I was supposed to remind myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, the rate the rate bump. Yes, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know where if 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 you're in the uh, mood for good gifts this holiday season, we all are. 
wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. I I shop there with my son. I, I buy myself stuff there because their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome, Baseball, and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every single month. If you stop in to either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, you're bound to see me in their Wayne location. They're open seven days per week at 11 a.m. If you use code PHLY, you'll get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. They have great attire there. I recommend that. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards, and I'm, all, I'm also following them on Twitter now. So make sure you check out Wheelhouse Cards. I mean, the, the ultimate stamp of approval that Zach is following them on Twitter. I don't know if that's the ultimate, but that is, I mean, that, uh, I want to see their content. Who's, who, who would you say is someone you follow on Twitter that you would not say you're giving a stamp of approval to? Uh, there's a lot of like, players from the 2010 and 2011 Giants. Okay. It'll come across my feed, and I'm like, oh, that was an undrafted rookie back in 2010. And, and I, you don't have the heart to unfollow. Yeah, I don't have the heart to unfollow. But it's it's actually nice to see what they're doing. Like, he's an undrafted rookie. He never played after. You know, like, I stayed in. I, I covered the Giants for 18 months, and I was there longer than these guys were, some of them. And uh, <laughs> These poor guys. You're saying, one, that you don't give them your stamp of approval. Now no, you're no, belittling their professional careers. No, 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 because they've, they've, they've moved on, the nice careers elsewhere, and you see them either coaching or selling cars or doing X, Y, Z. Uh, so it's always nice to see, right? But the point is, is that it, it doesn't necessarily help me with my Eagles coverage. So why not unfollow? I feel like that's a rude thing to do, you know? Yeah? Yeah. I mean... You think they're going to notice? Well, it's not that they'll notice, but um, I'm deliberately taking the time not to get there. Like, it, it's nice to but see. But then why not just follow everybody in the world? <laughs> well, that would it's really, rude not to follow. That would really clog my timeline, so... Well, I mean... Yeah. Then that's rude. I don't know. But Where's yeah. the middle ground here? Yeah. I mean, look, if and I can say the same about Eagles, about Eagles from those early, uh, like the 2012, 2013, 2014 Eagles. Uh, you follow someone, they move on. You kind of, I mean, move on to different jobs, but stay on the same beat. And uh, so I, I get a lot of updates from those early time guys I, I cover that I probably don't necessarily need. Give me a recent update you got. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> I'm throwing the guy under the bus. I mean, oh, I'm it saying, doesn't have to be throwing oh, him no, under the bus. No, it's, it was actually nice to see. Um, okay. Yeah, like for instance, uh, and, and, and shout out to this guy. He's he was a really nice guy. I enjoyed covering him. Uh, Jim Cordell was a uh, was a, an offensive lineman with the Giants back then. Jim Cordell, never heard yeah, of him. He went to Ohio State. Really nice guy. Okay. Um, but like he, he's not. It's not necessarily. It's not necessarily. Uh, I'm, I'm bolting or. 
I'm boosting my Eagles coverage. But I saw he's he's coaching now. It's uh, okay. So shout out to Jim. But uh, yeah, so Jim Cordell came across my timeline. Jim Cordell. Yeah, C O R D L E. Okay, good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach. Eagles Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seahawks, as we talked about with Baldy on Tuesday, coming off four straight losses. Yes. Five of their last six. That's the first four-game losing streak in the Pete Carroll era. And that's that's been a long era. They are 14th in offensive DVOA, 26th in defensive DVOA, 11th in special teams DVOA. They were without Geno Smith last week. Drew Locke at the helm. Sounds like there's a good chance that Geno Smith is back. We'll presume that just uh, for the sake of the show, Geno but Smith. it's not. Isn't that what I said? It said Jalen Smith, it sounded like. I'm pretty sure I said Geno Smith. Okay. Okay. But I appreciate you grinding the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, no, I don't remember what I was going to say. You can take it from here. No, you're saying... Go you're, ahead, take the wheel. You're pretty sure Geno Smith was coming back. Okay, yeah, and what, and what yeah, next? What would you like to talk about? Well, so the Geno Smith versus Drew Locke thing here. Uh, who would you rather see, Geno Smith or Drew Locke? Who would I rather see? The good quarterback, the better quarterback. Okay. I mean, the guy who was their starter, who is a... Solidly average starting NFL quarterback. Now, Drew Locke actually played a solid game among 13 quarterbacks to start against the 49ers this year. Drew Locke's EPA per dropback was it ranked sixth, 8.7 yards per attempt, ranked second only behind Joe Burrow. Okay. So would you rather face? No, I would. Well, I don't think. Look, look, look. By the way, people are saying I'm correct here. Okay. Well, that's because you put it in their head. I know, I know what I said in my in. My, from what was going on in my brain. <laughs> okay. Bo right. said, said Jalen, says one guy. You said Jalen. Okay. I mean, you guys are all wrong. You can leave. <laughs> Julia I, says she didn't hear Jalen. Okay. Right. Gino and Jalen. Maybe I fumbled. Maybe I sort of like muttered, but I didn't say Jalen. Okay. All right. Should we stop the show and replay it? <laughs> no. Do we have that capability? No. All right. Let's, let's keep rolling here. So, uh, Geno Smith, what were you going to say? Also, there was just one person saying it over and over again. It's not, it's no. not multiple people saying that. No. Two people said it. Three people, right? The four people. Uh, no, three people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what were you telling me about Geno Smith? I don't remember. Yeah. He's probably going to play in this game. Yes. Okay, Geno Smith, who's had a career renaissance with the Seahawks, uh, and has weapons at his disposal. I find this, and I, and I think we talked about this last year when he was named Comeback Player of the Year. The idea that this is like a renaissance, or he's a, this is not, this is just the naissance. This is, he's not coming back from anything. Ah, uh, there's no re. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. He, he was just a, a non-entity for so long, and he wasn't that good as a, as, you know, when he, when he did have a chance with the Jets. This is like, this is the best he's ever been. Well, people were writing him off, and he didn't write back. Um, That's right. But he... It's, it is an interesting career arc. By the way... wonder if there are people, uh, you know, reporters uh, who covered the Jets 10 years ago who are getting, getting IK and Impali updates. Maybe so. All those years later. Great reference. Great reference. I remember that day vividly. Geno Smith, actually, he was poised to have a good year with the Jets that season. Dodd Bowles as head coach. And boom, punched in the, <laughs> punched in the jaw. Boom. Uh, so... Uh, Actually, the, the interesting Eagles angle to Geno Smith before we get into like the nitty gritty of the Seahawks is Jeffrey Lurie actually took a scouting visit to West Virginia oh, that's to, see, right. to see Jeffrey. Matt to, says uh, I went back and listened. He definitely said Geno. Okay, well then I I stand corrected. 
Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back and, and, and listening to this as well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was that important to interrupt the show, Paul? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, that, that precedent has, has already been set for this episode. Okay, so Jeffrey Laurie went down to Morgantown for a uh, workout with <laughs> Sounds Gina like Smith. a song. <laughs> and I, re- I remember asking him about it. Went and down he to said, Morgantown, was looking for a quarterback to draft. And he said it was one of the three states at the time that he had not visited. <laughs> And so it was a chance to check Have that you out followed up on this? Well, Has he gotten to all 50? Interestingly, okay, one of those states that he hadn't visited was North Dakota, which he checked oh, off three years nice. later when he went to the Carson Wentz So visit. do you know what the other one is? Um, trying here. Let me look this up. Actually, I feel like he must have knocked it off by now. If he had, if he had gotten to 49 in North Dakota, he must he must have felt like, let me close this loop. Uh if you make your Geno Smith point, I will look this up really quick. Okay. I don't have a Geno Smith point, but I can just I can talk about something yeah. else. Um, I, I think that, you know, that this is the other thing we talked about with Baldy. Um, from a matchup standpoint, the Seahawks wide receivers is, is a concern for the Eagles. Uh, DK Metcalf, I remember that 2020 game as the game that made me think, like, wow, that Darius Slay trade was not worth it. Hmm. And it was, I think, his worst game as an Eagle. Uh, it was DK Metcalf's best game of his career, 10 catches for 177 yards, playing mostly against Darius Slay in that game. And it was like, okay, you, you went out and got this guy for the express purpose of stopping guys like this. DK Metcalf had had a huge game against the Eagles in the playoffs the season before, and it was completely feckless. But Good word. Um, Obviously, things have changed for Slay since then, but Metcalf is a guy who, uh, you know, like A.J. Brown, can, and, you know, they, obviously they play together. If, if he's covered, it doesn't matter. He can still go yeah. up and make a play. So I have a lot of D.K. Metcalf thoughts. Okay. Yeah, we can get to that real quick here. By the way, like, uh, I don't know why I was prying about this to Jeffrey Lurie back in March 2013, but I end this story saying Lurie was also able to check another state off the list of states he's visited because he had not previously been to West Virginia. The only two states remaining are North Dakota and South Dakota. Wow. So he he went to North Dakota to see Carson Wentz. Has he gone to Mount Rushmore? This is the big question. Or did he go for the Dallas Goddard scouting trip? I don't know if they went to South Dakota. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nah, he probably didn't go to that one. Now, when you are doing these for yourself, what what is the uh, what qualifies as having been to the state? Okay, uh, literally being in the state. Like if I had a layover there, that's being in the that state. That counts for you. Yes, does that not count? Yeah, for you? I wouldn't. I don't think that counts. Okay, a layover. Mm. Now, I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to stay overnight because then that becomes a little bit more difficult. But I think you got to like you'd be outside. You got to get, get a sense of you know, state. Go to a meal or something like that. Okay. You know? So it's it can't be like Tom I, Hanks and Terminal where you're just you're just in the airport. The airport doesn't count. I feel especially if it's just like a quick layover. I feel like that. I feel like that doesn't count. Julia, what do you think? Okay. So then I have a lot of states to check off. Okay. You've been, a lot, you've been to a lot of states that you've only been there for a layover? <laughs> no, I've been to a few, I, I suppose. Uh, but my, my point is that my states are limited to NFL cities and ACC cities, basically. Okay. I think I got a good number. We'll, we should add it up for tomorrow's show. Dayniz is a world traveler. He's, I know he's got a lot of countries in his, yeah. in his bucket. I don't have that either. I, I need to expand my, my traveling. Uh, okay, we'll add it up uh, for the show tomorrow. That actually be good off-season content for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so, so DK Metcalf. Okay. 
agree with what you I mean, this is a guy who feasts on, on the Eagles. We all remember uh, the playoff game. We all remember that Jim Schwartz game, and that's what you're referencing with uh, Darius Slay, of course. Uh, DK is just a matchup nightmare, and he has the size to beat you. He has the speed to beat you. Um, he's really becoming a polished receiver. I mean, it's scary to think, by the way, that him and A.J. Brown are in the same receiving core. Yeah, what does it say about... Uh, <laughs> Hugh Freeze? No, was it Jeremiah Masoli? Was that the quarterback? Oh, yeah, the quarterback okay. How bad yeah. could he have been? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously, I mean... Having 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 those two guys, uh, actually, that, that, that's a good thing to ask uh, AJ this week about. The How bad was Jeremiah Masoli? <laughs> no, about being on the other side of DK, mm. right? I would say mm. uh, DK Metcalf, one of the guys I was most wrong about. As a you didn't a think prospect. he was going to be good. He couldn't. Yeah, like the, those um, terrible testing numbers on changing direction. Like he couldn't change direction. Yeah. Like he was a battleship. He was like, like he could only go. go. Yeah. Um, and the, there were the injury stuff. Like I was, I was, I was not in on, on DK Metcalf. I was very in on AJ Brown, but okay, yeah. I mean DK, I was in on DK. Now the health. I think the reason the Eagles weren't high on him that year was because of the health. Yeah, I think he was off their board, uh, or at least off their board that early. Like later on, would have been more of a consideration. Um, the neck. So, so a few things to say about DK and the Seahawks receiving core. Okay, uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Sean Desai said yesterday, thinks is like one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. He talked about just his ability to get open, his, his, his route running, his catch radius for someone that size. Lockett can present some challenges. Uh, Jackson Smith Jibba, um, I expected a little more from him this year. Although in the games that I've watched, you know, he had a, a touchdown in the most recent game that I watched that was called back, but the game against the Cowboys uh, at the end of the, the first half, but. He's someone who, who, who can cause you problems. Uh, I'd like most, their, spends most of his time in the slot. Yeah. I'd, I'd like their offense in terms of their weapons. I mean, both, both Kenneth Walker and... And they've got Kenneth Walker back now. He came yep. back last week. Yep, and, and he needs to be more of a north-south runner. He, chain, he, he goes east-west a, a little too much based on what I'm hearing there. But uh, he, he has been and can be a big play threat. And then Zach Charbonnet, am I pronouncing it correctly? Mm -hmm. uh, was a high-volume runner at UCLA. They weren't using him much earlier this season. Then they used him again that, in that uh, when, when Kenneth Walker was, was down, certainly showed some upside then. And I actually thought when he was a little, a little banged up late in that Cowboys game, it really hurt them. Uh, and so, so, so that's something to, to, to keep in mind. Now, their Achilles heel on offense is that offensive line. Uh, I know they're banged up, but they never seem to have a good offensive line. Well, they were, they were better last year. Mm -hmm. uh, they drafted those two tackles, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. Uh, their left guard, Damian Lewis, is, is solid. Mm -hmm. Those other two spots are, are trouble spots for them. And they're actually, they're, their pass protection numbers are not bad. Uh, Geno Smith, like they're, I think, um, let's see, 17th in sack rate, so middle of the league, not, not, not terrible. Um, their run blocking is not great, to your point. Now, the numbers also bear out that what you were saying about Kenneth Walker a little bit. He is uh, negative, two, negative 0.25 uh, 
uh, rushing yards over expected per carry, mm. uh, which is 11th worst in the league, according to NFL's next-gen stats, but only two spots ahead of DeAndre Swift. Um, the flip side to that is he is explosive. Yes. Um, over the past two seasons, so since he entered the league last year, he has 15 carries of over 20 yards. That is only one behind the leaders, which are Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, who have like nearly 100 more carries. So his rate of explosive runs is very impressive. So for a defense that um, has been not as good against the run the past couple of weeks, that's something that they need to worry about. Um, other things about the Seahawks offense that you're, you're just looking at matchup-wise against this terrible Eagles third-down defense, Seahawks are 26th in the league in mm. third down, so not so good, uh, converting at just a, a third of the, the time, 33.3%. They're 22nd in the red zone and overall 16th in success rate. Um, on the other side of the ball, the defense uh, boomer bust. Yes. So they are 16th in success rate, but they are 28th in e EPA per drive. Uh, they give up a lot of big plays, the fourth most plays of 20-plus yards or more in the league. And for uh, an Eagles offense that sort of likes to take shots on first down sometimes, uh, the Seahawks have given up almost more, I think the second most explosive plays on first down of any team in the league. Almost 50% of those explosive plays have come on first down. They don't blitz a ton, 23rd in the league in blitz rate, and they play almost exclusively zone coverage, uh, the second highest rate of zone coverage in the league. So you sort of know what you're getting there. They have some quality players. Um, their pass rush is interesting. They are um, one of the better like sack rate, or they're 11th in sack rate, but there's no guy who stands out. Yeah. It's All of those guys are just sort of uh, if you look at the uh, quarterback hit rate, all of those guys are are below the Reddick and Sweat area, but they are all above. Like there's seven of them who are then above the Brandon Graham, Milton Williams, Jalen Carter range. So they're all just sort of like, it's like they got a lot of innings eaters who can who can just sort of get to the quarterback occasionally. That's that's a good way of framing it. Uh, reading the coverage out in Seattle this week, there there's a lot of frustration about the amount of money they've invested in that and the amount of resources they've invested in that defense and the return they're they're getting. They're they're certainly not as productive as they need to be. Save for like Julian Love was a good pickup. Uh, and he's it's interesting. I feel like that's the I feel like he has been a, a trouble spot for them. Okay, I mean, I, in the reports I, I I read that they're they think he's 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 been doing a decent job for them, um, but him and Diggs, Abreek uh, Wollins not having the season that he had last year. Right. He was obviously um, a ball hawk last year when Sean Desai was there. Uh, Devin Weatherspoon, first round pick over Jalen Carter, uh, and he's actually provided you know you know decent play for them, uh, but he's. You're trying to find the right role for him there. Jamal Adams. He was making more of an impact yeah. when he was playing just the just slot. Just the slot, it exactly. Like. And now he's on the outside yep. and he's been just okay. Uh, Jamal Adams is the player who gets the most ridicule. Well, in he's that an defense. a hole, so yeah. He's, a, he's an a-hole. Okay, yeah. yeah. But also, on the field, he's like... Bad. He's bad. Yeah, yeah. like as Baldy said, he's, he's essentially like a, uh, a weak side linebacker. But he's Emphasis a on weak. Uh, he's known for his blitzing, but he's certainly not giving them enough production. And for for the money that they made, and then the trade that they that they uh, they made for him, 
No, I'm sorry, the money that they paid and the trade they made for him really been a problem spot. And that's someone who you can try to isolate in coverage and you can take advantage of. So that's something I would watch uh, for the Eagles. They, the Seahawks made the trade for Leonard Williams. They paid Draymond Jones money. Um, they brought Bobby Wagner back this year. They, they've invested draft picks in, in, in that group. And uh, your boy, Boy Mofa, or Boy Mof, eh? Boy Mofa. <laughs> I think you got both one. I think you got both names wrong. I'm Boy A Mofa. Uh, boy A Mofa. <laughs> Sorry, can you help me with this? Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe, thank you. Boye Mafe. And what I remember well about Boye Mafe is, uh, is you and I had some debate about this. Um, when we did our Eagles targets, you wanted to include him. And I'm like, this was early in the draft, first round that year, right? I don't remember this. You don't remember this. And I was like, why is Boye Mafe on the list? And you were, you were arguing why Boye Mafe should be on that list. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that I haven't categorized these disagreements on who have been on these lists. Okay. But, but Boye Mafe was... In your mind, who was correct there? We both were, because he, uh, he was drafted in the second round, and okay. the Eagles had the 20th overall pick, or no, they had 18 that year, right? 18, okay. 19. Um, and the Seahawks were drafting fairly high. So it makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. We both were. Uh, he wasn't a first-round target. I'd like to clip the pronunciations of Boye Mafe there. That would yeah, be I would rather not. That was, um, that was embarrassing on my end. Uh, but if you just look, I mean, a lot of first- and second-round picks on this defense, and they're not getting uh, the ROI that you would want there. And they are, Like the Eagles' defensive line. Yeah, they are fairly vulnerable. So I, I think this is um, – this is, this, can be a, this could be a potential get-right game for the Eagles' offense. All right, Zach. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps. Just two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Tickets make great holiday gifts. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By the way, YTube asks us, who's the most underrated eagle of the modern era? Uh, my answer to that would be Trent Cole, based on... It's interesting. He's the first one who comes to mind for me, too. Yeah, Trent Cole is, is one of the most productive pass rushers the Eagles have ever had, and he's not typically viewed as, as like one of the great eagles. Uh, he was in that 
in between era, like you know the late Andy Reid era, where they stopped, they didn't go to the championship games all the time. It wasn't those great Jim Johnson yes. defenses, uh, but his sack numbers are prolific. And was is he someone? And you've you've uh, written this, like the players who were there, who were young at that time, Brandon Graham in particular, really looked up to Trent Cole. And Fletcher Cox, who talked about that one with us a yes. couple of weeks ago. How about from the from the Doug Peterson era? Who who's, who would you say is the most underrated Eagle? Uh, well, I think Nelson Aguilar is underrated relative <laughs> to his production. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I think Brandon Brooks is properly rated. Oh, that's I a good mean, one, yeah. but but Brandon Brooks was like the best player at his position for a two-year, three-year period yeah. there. Uh, then as I as I go through this. Uh, I would say Rodney McLeod. He's the guy who comes to mind for me because, because Malcolm Jenkins got so yeah. much of the attention where well, Rodney McLeod was, was doing a very good job in his own self. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Okay. All right, let's get to the draft, Zach. <laughs> Man, you were really anti the Nelson Aguilar answer. Does 60 catches mean anything anymore? <laughs> no, it, it, it has <laughs> never meant anything. Uh, let's do rock, paper, scissors. You ready? You're, I'm ready for this, yes. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors. shoot. You've nice. been doing your tape. You've been studying. No, I haven't. <laughs> I promise you that I have not. One nothing. My scissors beats your paper. Because that, that is, as Sean Desai would say, is a trend breaker. Okay. <laughs> Zach, I promise you that I have never, no. ever, w w walking out of this studio, ever given the rock, paper, scissors sh shoots between you and I a second thought. That is the first time you've gone rock. As, I didn't go rock. I went scissors. Or, 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 I'm sorry. That was the first time you went scissors. Do I you mean, have this all plotted out? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I just... Okay. I, 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 I studied the tape. So, okay. All right. That's, watched, a, that's an efficient use of your time? Probably not, but I watch all our shows back, and there are things I need to do better today. By the way, what's going to keep me up is the pronunciation. So. Okay. You yeah, ready? That was, that was bad. Okay. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. My rock beats your scissors. Okay. All right. Uh, I have the first pick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, like, does, does Jalen deserve the pick here? Now, if I don't take him, you're definitely going to take him with one of your two picks. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'll I guess I'll take Jalen Hurts. I don't actually I don't I don't I don't love that. Um, I think there's a bigger discrepancy somewhere else, but but I will I will take Jalen Hurts. Uh, Geno Smith, for the record, 15th in EPA per dropback on the season, 12th in success rate. Um, his like EPA stats are about the same as they were last year. His completion percentage is a little bit down, and so are his touchdown passes. That's like one of the one of the big differences. He's also running a little bit less than he did a season ago. He's 24th in scramble rate, just uh, seven rushing yards a game. Last year he was over 20, um, and he is 20th in air yards per pass attempt. So he is. Uh, I think my in my mind, I think of Geno Smith as like a bombs away type guy who is willing to put the ball into tight windows, which I think is still true, but uh, it's not like he's doing that on every, on every pass. Now, before I rudely interrupted you, um, are, are you expecting Geno Smith to be the quarterback this week? Yes. Okay. And I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't yeah. done any reporting yeah. on it. I just am considering he was supposed to be close to a game-time decision yes. last week. They've got an extra day. I assume he's going to play. Certainly so. Okay. And overall... Uh, if I if I can ask you if, if if you were in that Seahawks building, would you 
keep rolling with Geno Smith next season? Well, it would depend on what my other options were. Okay. Uh, I would have been interested in drafting a quarterback this year when they had the fifth overall pick. Yes. Um, next year, I don't think they're going to have a pick high enough to bother. Like, I, I don't, I, if you are a, a, a good team, uh, a good team, which they are, and they had this great draft class last year, the expectations are you're not going to pick that high again. And to use that pick as good as Devin Witherspoon may be on a, an older, undersized corner was a bad use of resources in my estimation. Yeah, they had two cracks at I mean, they had two first-round picks, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Will Levis dropped the second round, and we heard, heard Baldy say the other day he thinks he's going to be a really good quarterback. So yeah. not suggesting they should have taken Will Levis. The, the, uh, they didn't have a crack at Anthony Richardson, at C.J. Stroud, or at Bryce Young. Uh, okay, so I'm up here, and I'm definitely going to go with the Eagles' interior offensive line. Okay, I get Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, Cam Jurgens. Uh, that's better than Lewis Brown and Bradford that the Seahawks offer there in the interior. And then uh, elsewhere, do I want to round off the Eagles, uh, the, the Eagles edge rushers? Uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry, the Eagles offensive tackles? Or do I go with parts of the Eagles defensive line that has not been as, as productive? But uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Eagles edge rushers here. And I'm going to go with the Eagles Jet Rushers because uh, I do believe in the sack production from Hassan Reddick, who's, uh, as I said the other day, four consecutive years with double-digit sacks. Josh Sweat's on a little bit of a dry spell, but I, I, I like what he can offer. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the Seahawks have – I think the Seahawks offensive tackles, like you said, are better than their interior offensive line, but certainly don't compare to what the Eagles have. Oh, I will then – uh, easily take the Eagles tackles. I was thinking okay. about taking them first overall. Um, Charles Cross is good, not great. Abe Lucas um, is okay. He missed 10 games uh, after the first game of the season, just came back two games ago, and also has a um, documented history of being a, a sexist and transphobe. So I don't want him on my team. Lots of really <laughs> like anti-trans tweets out of him. Just I want, I, mean, I want to inform the viewers as you watch the game. There's a, a specific player to hate on the other team. I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So then, um, so where do I go here? Because the Eagles corners are really struggling, and the Seahawks corners aren't that much better. Um, Seahawks have a good group of wide receivers. Uh, I will go with uh, I will go with the Eagles defensive tackles. Um, I'm I'm gonna stick to uh, I think this defensive front, even though the numbers haven't bared it out in terms of those third the third down sacks, I still think they're a better group than Seattle's front. Uh, so so give me the Eagles defensive front. Okay, so let's just let's just run those guys down um, a little bit. So as you said, they got they traded for Leonard Williams, which I thought was a, probably a short sighted trade. Um, Boye Mafe, Uchenna Nwosu, Daryl Taylor. Mario Edwards, Draymond Jones, who they paid a lot of money to, mm -hmm. uh, Jaron Reed, who was still pretty good, and Derek Hall, the rookie from Auburn, who has uh, no sacks yet but has a couple quarterback hits. That's a pretty deep group, um, and you know they have they are higher in sack rate than the Eagles are as a team. I don't feel like you've got a, a huge advantage there, as much as it might look like um, like based on name recognition. But I guess we'll see how the game plays out. Um, yeah, I mean the wide receivers are. It's not a. It's not a huge disparity. Um, I would rather. How would you rank them? How would you rank the six? 
So I would go. I guess there's no six, but yeah, yeah, I I would would drink the five. I would go AJ Brown one, uh, DK Metcalf two, Devontae Smith three, uh, and then obviously Lockett and Smith and and Smith Jibba. I don't know if I would rather. uh, I think I would rather long term have Devontae Smith than DK Metcalf. But if you could guarantee me that they're both going to be healthy for like one game, like DK has maybe a little bit higher upside. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. This is one of these. I, I know why we switched to, switched to position groups, but this is one of these weeks when it'd be nice if we were drafting players mm. uh, because it'd be cool to reunite that old Miss group and not have Jeremiah Masoli as the mm, quarterback. That would be so cool. Uh, <laughs> that Elijah Moore like? was also a youngster on that team, right? Yes, he was. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles wide receivers. I think, okay. I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are better than the other two. I'd, you'd rather have the third for the Seahawks, but uh, in terms of positional value, that's where I'm going. Okay. Um, so then I will go with uh, I will go with the Seahawks linebackers here. Uh, I think that's good. And it's not that I'm valuing linebackers, and I probably am putting too much on name recognition. But Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks are, uh, you know, two established guys in this league. Certainly, Shaq Leonard is as, as well. But we and Zach Cunningham is as well. But we haven't seen enough from the Eagles linebackers in this. Jordan season. Brooks, they don't they don't blitz a lot like we talked about, but he does have four and a half sacks. Hmm. So uh, when they do blitz, he's a guy to watch out for. I think a pending free agent, Jordan Brooks. Also a full name All Star. Even though it's with a Y. Oh, yeah, because Brooks is the verb. Okay, correct. I see what you did there. Yes. I didn't do anything. I don't know. The, the Y has nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, like, the Jordan part of it, but then all you need is the noun, the noun Brooks. So, correct. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's fine. I think that's, that's, that's a delta, um, although I would have gone with the Seahawks corners, which is what I'm going to do. Hmm. Now, Reek Willen, as you said, not playing at the same level he was last year. I think he was benched at one point this season. Um, and Devin Witherspoon is uh, up and down. They've got Trey Brown as well, but uh, I'm just I'm not trusting what I, what I see with James Bradbury at the moment and whoever the third guy is. Um, I didn't love what Bradley Roby gave the Eagles last week, so I'm taking I'm taking the young the young guys on the Seahawks. Uh, so this hasn't worked out. I, I I should have gone with Eagles tackles earlier on um, because I'm basically having the Seahawks. I could have the Seahawks offense with. Uh, the Eagles running backs. Oh, I'm sorry, with the Eagles interior offensive line, which I'm not sure is the uh, way for me to go here. Uh, the Seahawks safeties. Uh, I mean, Diggs is a really good player and very. He's he's close with Slay. I'll talk yes. to Slay about him this this week. But um, Jamal Adams, like like we said, is a bit of a. Uh, He's miscast there, and he is a weakness. But certainly, um, you know what? I'm going to go with the Seahawks safeties here because I don't even know if Reed Blankenship's going to play. Yeah. I, I did like what I saw from from Sidney Brown, um, <clears throat> and I'll, I, uh, a friend Duffy from the Eagles website had had a good package on that as well. Uh, but I, uh, I look if it's if it's Sidney Brown. And and and, and Kevin Byard, I'm not sure. I'm I'm convinced on that's that's better than Diggs and Adams. With Julian Love, with Julian Love, exactly. I think I think yeah. that's I think that's a well certainly the right pick of the two. I'm going to take the Eagles tight ends. Oh, okay, that's um, now a good the one. Seahawks have some have some depth, and they roll those guys. Mm-hmm. Will Disley and Noah Fan provide something different, and Parkinson as well. But uh, Dallas Goddard is certainly the best player on the board right now. So give me the uh, give me the Eagles tight ends. That's a good one there too. Uh, so You've got running back and special teams left. Yeah. Um, Seahawks have two running backs, right? The second-round picks the past two years. 
Uh, but I'm going to go with the Eagles special teams. I like the way that okay. uh, Clay's group's playing. Now, you got the best punter in the league, probably Michael Dixon, uh, on the Seahawks. But the Eagles had that fake punt. Um, Britton Covey's looking good. And, frankly, I'm okay if I get uh, DeAndre Swift as my back if you go with the Seahawks. So I'm going to go with the Eagles special teams. Yeah, I don't feel super strongly about this, uh, but I will take the Seahawks just because I think Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Walker and DeAndre Swift are similar players, um, and they've got a better number two. So I don't, I, don't, I don't feel strongly about that. I think that's a good one to go last. Now, let me ask you this. If we did coaching in this, which staff would you Which head coach would you take and which staff would you take? I would take the Eagles. Would you take Sirianni over Carroll? Yes. Okay. One guy's like willing to go for it and you know be a little bit more aggressive in game. The other guy doesn't believe 9/11 happened. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you. That's to go not there. true, actually. It's, he believes it happened. He just thinks it was an inside <laughs> job, and jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. That's that's true. That's I actually probably should have expected that when I brought up the yeah. question. I, yeah. I was speaking. One about guy it. in one guy, uh, you know. Shows a thing of uh, the Fab Five and let your nuts hang and all this stuff. The other guy brings in Jordan Peterson to talk to his team. So yeah, I'll take the first one. <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't even know who that is. By the way. Uh, all right, let's run down the <laughs> rosters. I have the Eagles quarterback, the Seahawks running back, the Eagles wide receivers and tight ends, and their tackles, and the Seahawks interior offensive line. I've got the Seahawks defensive line, the Eagles linebackers, the Seahawks corners, the Eagles safeties. And the Seahawks special teams, you've got Geno Smith or Drew Locke, the Eagles running backs, the Seahawks wide receivers and tight ends, the Seahawks tackles, the Eagles interior offensive line, the Eagles defensive line, the Seahawks linebackers, the Eagles corners, the Seahawks safeties, and the Eagles special teams. It's going to be a good one. I mean, obviously, I think Jalen Hurts is a major advantage here. But uh, no, this is this can be a, a, this can be a, a good one. I am curious too. Uh, the intangible part of this, uh, you are an intangible guide sometimes. Home field advantage. Uh, the, it, it, it hasn't been like the toughest place for teams to play, but tradition uh, traditionally the twelfth man is uh, does make it hard to play. We've both been in that stadium. It does get loud. It's a long trip for the Eagles. How do you think those? those variables will play into this yeah I, I think uh, the biggest thing is that it's you know the end of this six game yeah. stretch and they've got to fly all the way across the country and they're very tired I think that's a bigger thing than than the noise necessarily who do you think's more uh, I mean every team's motivated but but who needs this more I mean the Seahawks to stay alive or, or the Eagles to show that this that like the sky isn't falling I mean, it's different scales. I yes. would say the Seahawks probably need it more mm. to stay relevant, like to stay alive. Yeah. I think I think staying alive is more important than thriving. Okay. If we're talking about stakes. Yeah. And this is a, this. So I hate the term things a must-win game in Week 15, but Seahawks fall to what six and eight if they lose this. Certainly not eliminated, and the NFC is bad. But the five in a row would, would would be would be a killer stretch for a team that entered the season with legitimate aspirations to. I don't know to make the Super Bowl, but certainly to push deep in the NFC. They were three and one at one point. Um, so this is this has fallen pretty fast for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that leave that one alone. Okay. No, no, it's nothing about you. Did I say it, no, no, it's a Pete Carroll thing that I'm uh, not gonna say. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast. 
we thank you for listening. We thank you for watching. We will talk to you tomorrow at 10 a.m. with the professor himself. Dana is joining us to get into uh, some of the analytics, some of the game theory, and we'll get some Goose Wisely coming your way, all that good stuff. Check out Zach's Twitter for the latest from the Novacare Complex today. And uh, thanks again for all of us here at PHLY. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, we love you. Silly like the mayor. 